I'm William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Right? Against that? No! We will run! And we will live. Aye. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. I'm dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! I thought about preaching the whole sermon this way, but I was a little concerned because you guys in Baltimore don't talk like this. You think, say, you think, say things like radiator and water and, and phone and all of these weird words, right? <laughs> oh, man, that, that, that scene right there makes me want to fa- paint my face. I can't talk. Paint my face blue and ride a horse. It's great to see you today. Welcome to the Life Center. We're a little crazy. Good to see everybody here. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm free. Well, with a little conviction, maybe you have to do a Scottish accent or something. (laughs) Amen. So welcome to uh, week number three. That was a little flat. You guys disappointed me a little bit there. Come on. I mean, I just talked in a Scottish accent. (laughs) Ah. Well, I'm a little little pumped today. This this series on freedom is is really, it's... uh, it's kind of rocking my world, um, and I did obviously a little reading about William Wallace, and he was a, a hero to the Scottish people because he refused to live under the lordship of England, and so he he decided, you know, no more tyranny, no more living as a as a slave or a second class citizen, and so he started rallying the troops and. There were some major victories. They had some pretty significant battles, so much so that England took notice and started pouring their forces into Scotland. And at some point, the tide shifted. Uh, William Wallace went on the run and was eventually captured and paid the ultimate price for standing for freedom, and that was treason in those days. And I, I got to looking at um, how he was executed, and something was done to him called being hung, drawn, and quartered. It sounds like ordering, um, uh, ordering um, hash browns at the Waffle House. Do I have any hot Waffle House eaters? Come on, you know, there's like, when they call it out to the, to the line cook, they like chopped, smothered, smeared, and, and fried, or whatever. You know, you can get them any kind of way you want. Well, that's kind of what this sounds like, but it wasn't hash browns. So, the, not to get into the nastiness of this whole thing, but he was drugged behind a horse... He was hung until he was almost dead, and then he was literally quartered. His head was lobbed off, and he was chopped in four pieces. His head 
hung on the, the, the London Bridge. And his four other members of his body went to Newcastle, Berwick, Sterling, and Perth. So you would walk into the city of Perth and there's William's leg. Right? Talk about a message. I mean, there's one way to keep people from getting excited about being free. Right? Um, so I, it, it amazes me, though, when you look through history and you see people that, that just stand up against all of the odds that are against them. And it's amazing because what is it? that is woven into the fabric of our nature that will cause someone to literally risk life and limb, no pun intended, uh, you know, for the sake of freedom. At the same token, what is it within us that will cause us to accept bondage as our lot in life because we're too afraid to stand up? Right? What is it that's, that's, that's woven into us? And I've often wondered, you know, when you watch a movie like Braveheart, you, you know, Pastor Scott whispered in my ear was the, as the little clip was playing, he's like, this just kind of makes you stand a little straighter, doesn't it? You know, what is it about, you know, when you watch that, you, I, I kind of fantasize, like, I wonder if I was in that time period, would I be the William Wallace? Would I be the guy that says, you know what, I don't care, I'm going to die free, right? Uh, what is it that causes someone to stand up and be a Patrick Henry, to be a Harry Tubman, to be a Martin Luther King Jr.? What, what is it? And I often imagine myself as being one of those people that, that refused to, to, um, to settle for something that was not what I was designed for. And history defines its, its heroes and its cowards from those moments, right? Uh, it's, it's the times that cause someone to rise to great, greatness or to be crushed under the weight of it. And so I've often imagined what would I be if I was faced to, uh, in a situation like that. And I, I'm here to tell you today, I'm thinking about this, right? Freedom is a big deal. Freedom is a big part of what we are and what we believe and what we stand for. And, and we may not be faced against another government, but I tell you, every one of us in this room today, we're faced with a challenge to our freedom our spiritual freedom, our ability to live above the fray, our ability to live beyond an addiction or a vice or, or something that controls us. And we said this throughout the course of this, of this series. We've talked about anything that controls you, you're a slave to. I mean, you may be a slave to sleeping in and never getting out of bed. Probably none of those around here. Anything that controls us, we become a slave to that master. And I'm, I'm here to give you hope. God did not build you that way. The reason why there are men that stand against, and women that stand against the, the odds is because in our DNA, the creator of the universe put something in us. We were not designed to be slaves. We were not designed to be slaves. And we're going to talk about today about that today. Freedom is something we believe in, something we live for, and freedom of our spirit and freedom of our soul is what we fight for. And we're, we've been talking about freedom. We've been talking about the fight for freedom. Pastor Scott talked about the freedom of the mind last week. If you haven't, if you weren't here, go to the website and listen to it. Incredible. True concept of how we're transformed. The Bible says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's our mind that changes who we are, changes the trajectory of our, our life and the path that we're on. And so we, we, we understand that those thoughts that run amok and out of control in our mind, it is, it is our effort and our job and our dependency on God to bring those things under control. Don't let those things run amok and take control of our life. We bring them under subjection. He told us about how we're supposed to think. New thoughts, new perspective, a different way of thinking. Things like what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, 
noteworthy. Those are the things that we're supposed to think about. Not negative garbage that, that bleeds us of our creativity and our energy and our faith. Right? You don't have to look far to get negativity, do you? All you do is pick up your phone or look out your window. There's plenty of it and plenty of people willing to give it. But that's not what we're called to do. And that, that mind part is the critical first step in us experiencing true freedom and knowing what that's really about. Recognizing that there is a reconstruction that needs to take place in our mind for us to be truly free. And let me tell you something. Freedom requires a commitment and a discipline to do what needs to be done. Refusing to quit. Refusing to allow someone or something to take away the freedom that belongs to you. Amen? Amen. The evidence of a change in the way you think, if you're wondering, how do I know if I'm being transformed by the room of my mind? How do I know if my, change, my thinking is changing? In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says it this way. A good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in his heart. And here's the verse. Here's the message. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if you find yourself around someone that is just always spewing negativity and everything is bad and everything is awful and everything is going to end in a fiery disaster, their heart is full of negative, unhealthy, ungodly content. And we're going to change that by the power of the Spirit of God because we don't have to live in chains anymore. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't have to be a slave anymore. James chapter 3, verse number 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. Wow. You ever been to the circus? They can make elephants do all kinds of things. They can make a hi- We were at the circus one time and there was a hippopotamus in the circus. Who trains a hippopotamus? These creatures are vicious. And there was a guy in a, in a cage with three tigers. I mean, you know, he's crazy. But the Bible says, you know, I've trained all kinds of animals. We can't, we can't tame this thing. No human can tame the tongue. I love what it says. It said it's a, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Ooh. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a, pom- or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. My man James paints a picture, doesn't he? He paints a picture of the tongue. He talks about what the tongue can do. He talks about the damage that the tongue can do. And he ta- it's interesting. He makes a bold statement. He says, no human can tame it. Like he just rules out the self-control altogether. He just says, you got to have God. <laughs> right? You can't fix this thing on your own because that thing will just run amok. How many know what I'm... No, no hands raised. <laughs> no human can, t- can tame it. It reveals really the need for divine intervention. It, it reveals the need for the Spirit of God in our life because we know that the Spirit of God takes over in our areas of weakness and in areas that that you don't have the strength to fight it's God's spirit that makes up the difference when you come to the end of yourself is really when God steps on the scene if you can do it by yourself God will allow you just to carry on right 
But there's something about faith. When you put faith in action, it's when you reach the end of what you can do and who you are. And you say, okay, God, if you don't show up here, uh, there's disaster waiting. And I'm I'm telling you from experience, 45 years of living... God shows up at these random moments when you think, I don't know where this, how this is going to work out. And he shows up and he does what only he can do. And you step back and you say, now look there. That's amazing. It's nothing that I did except for just get out of the way, right? Nobody can fix this but God. In 2 Corinthians, it says it this way, 12.9. But he said to me, Paul, talking to God, he's like, God, I need your help. I'm struggling with, a, with an issue that I cannot break. Maybe it was his tongue. I don't know. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power, God talking here, my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says this, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. What he's saying here is, I know that I come to the end of myself and I don't have to try to act like I have it together. I will tell you up front. I don't have it together. And so if you're looking at me and you think, well, that guy has it together. Let me tell you the real story. The real story is it's because of him and his power that rests on me to help me overcome. To help me overcome. To help me press through. To help me see the end of this thing that I'm fighting against. Amen. It says it's full of deadly poison. (laughs) There's so many funny things to say right there. The tongue is full of deadly. There's just all kinds of funny jokes. There's mother-in-law jokes. There's spout. No, I'm just kidding. There's so many funny things you can say there. I had to say that. My mother-in-law is coming in next week, so I had to behave after that. So I just let all my mother-in-law jokes out right there. It's done. <laughs> Proverbs 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. That is a, that is a powerful statement. The tongue has the power of life and death. What does that mean? What does it really mean? Obviously, I can't kill you with my tongue. But I can say things to you that will so crush your spirit that it would be better if I would have just killed you. Because you wouldn't have had to endure the pain that comes from the tongue. In verse 9, he says, We praise our Lord and Father, and with the same tongue we curse human beings. And this statement, he puts it here so strategically The people, the very people who have been created in God's likeness. If you rewind to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis where it's talking about the creation of man, it says God created man in his own image. And if you you break those words apart and you dig a little deeper, you'll find that the word likeness is actually the word facsimile. Through the translations of all of the historical times, that's what the word means. And if, you know, we're kind of losing this technology, everything's going completely digital but you remember a fax machine whatever you stuck in on one end and you send it to the other one the same thing came out so in other words a very image or a likeness or almost a carbon copy we were created in the likeness of god not just the way we're formed or shaped i don't think it's more what our dna is what our attributes are we were created in his likeness and so james is saying why would we use the tongue and we praise god and we curse someone that's created in his image jesus said it this way If you really want to know a disciple of mine, you'll find one when you can recognize the way they love each other, the way they love people. Why? Because that's what he's talking about. The the, the likeness of God is demonstrating that same compassion and love and care towards another like God does for us. So we can't say we love God and we can't praise him on Sunday morning when the music is good and then 
the rest of the week we are just thrashing people with this untamable device in our mouth. It's interesting, though, when we look in Genesis 1 that God spoke the world into existence. The Bible doesn't give any indication that he uses his hands and does anything except for form man, right? He spoke all the things into existence, but he formed man from the dust of the earth. And then he breathed the breath of life into man and he became a living soul. We were created to speak life. We were designed in the likeness of God, which means when we speak words, it's meant to bring life, not death. And it wasn't until Adam and Eve sinned, a direct act of disobedience, that death entered into the world. God told them, you can eat anything in the garden, but don't eat from this tree, because when you do, you will die. And you know the story, Eve? Maybe you don't know the story. I'm going to tell you the story. Eve was deceived. The serpent tempted her and said, oh, God said you're going to die, but you're not going to die. He knows that. He just doesn't want you to know everything. He doesn't want you to know there's a Google out there and you can find out anything you need to know. And so she's deceived and she eats it. And she didn't fall over dead like Snow White. Well, she wasn't dead either. You know what I mean. She still walked around. She talked to Adam said, you should taste this. This is great. No, we're not supposed to eat that. Oh, it doesn't matter. I didn't die, did I? No, you didn't. I'll take a bite. <laughs> but what happened is there was a spiritual death that entered into, the, entered into the world at that moment. That's why you and I don't just speak life naturally. Because we're broken. We have to work really hard to speak life, which is interesting to me because we're created in the image of God, and it's not hard for him to speak life. In fact, if you study scripture, you find God having a hard time being angry and cursing because he's, it's his, his nature to grow and create, not to destroy, but because of sin and death, he was forced to bring judgment And so now you and I are caught somewhere in this in-between state. That's why we work hard around here at this community for life change and for exposure to the plan of salvation, for hope, because Jesus is the answer. You cannot do this by yourself. You can't be good enough on your own. It's just impossible. You're just broken. But we know the fixer. We know the creator. And he doesn't say, I'll put you back together piece by piece. I'll just make a new one of you. That's why we believe whenever you receive Christ in your life, you're baptized, you become a new creature. Not an old patched up version of yourself. You become Andrew 2.0. You're the next version. Right? You're new. And so that means we don't have to live under that weight of slavery anymore. We don't have to be a person going around speaking death. We can speak life. We can change the course of history. We can affect the generations that follow us. We can speak life into our children, into our spouse, into our families. We believe in freedom. We believe in freedom. We believe in freedom. I'm sure I don't have to really dig too deep in this one to find victim of poisonous words or words of death. Everybody in this room probably has a few stories to tell. Everybody in this room probably has right now a memory that's coming to your mind when someone spoke something to you that crushed your spirit, that broke you inside. They cursed you with their words. They spoke death into your life. Maybe you've been the offender. Maybe you can remember the look in the eye of the friend, the spouse, the child when the words left your mouth and you saw the light dim in the eye. Have you ever seen it? Don't have to raise your hand. I've seen it. 
And you know when those words leave, you're like, oh, that should not have happened. And an apology seems so anemic and it seems so weak because you've crushed something in someone's spirit. That's what it's talking about when it says power of life and death is in the tongue. This is serious. We speak this stuff over ourselves. Negative and untrue self-talk. Maybe someone when you were younger, they said something over you that crushed you. And since then, you've been living under that shadow. And you find yourself, oh, I'm just the, I'm just the village idiot. I'm just stupid. Yeah, I'm just stupid. I'll never get it right. And you self-talk and you feed and you water that negativity and that, that death in your life. And God is looking at you saying, why would you speak about me in that way? I don't think anybody in this room would look at, at Jesus and say, you're just an idiot. No, but you'll look in the mirror and you'll say, you're just an idiot. And you were created in his likeness, so you might as well. Are you hearing me? This is not just nice, positive words from Andrew today to make your life better. No, this is the difference of living in freedom or living in bondage. It's the difference in you getting your children free or leaving them in bondage. It's the difference in turning the tide of death into life in your life. We believe in life change because we serve the life giver. If you go to church and nothing changes in your life, you have not met the Jesus I know. Because he brings life to broken, dead places. And that vicious cycle of poisonous venom that just spews out of the mouth is repeated and repeated and repeated until somebody stops it. The same mouth should not speak blessings and curses. You don't drink, you don't pick up your bottle of Dasani and pop it open and drink salt water, do you? Nope, you drink fresh, clear, clean water because from a sweet source, bitter cannot come or it shouldn't, right? So let's move quickly. We want to fix this problem. We want to tame the beast. We want to make this unruly member ruly. We want to get it under control. We want to slay the giant without cutting our tongues physically out of our heads. <laughs> right? We want to kill this beast. How do we do it? We guard our heart. We read it in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. I'll read it to you again just because it's a great verse. A good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil that's stored in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Guard your heart because the words reveal what's in the heart. The words reveal what's in the heart. Next week, Pastor Scott is going to be talking about freedom through forgiveness. And you have to come next week. If you, come, if you don't come next week, you're going to miss something very important. And the important thing you're going to miss is how to keep your heart clean. You can try to fix your words, but if your heart is filled with evil, truth will come out of you. You hear me? Mark it down. Truth will come out of you. It will reveal what's in the heart. So how do we do this? We keep our heart clean. Psalms 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Pray this daily. God, clean this thing up. Another part of Scripture says that the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Evil is just, we're just born in it. But God is offering us a better option. A better option. Guard your heart. The second thing is gauge your tongue. Using today's terminology, we would say, put a filter on that. <laughs> right? Put a filter there. Colossians 3.8. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such thing as these. 
listen carefully because your neighbor that's sitting next to you, you're going to recognize every one of them in this person, right? You're going to say, oh, they, they definitely struggle with this. Anger, rage, whoo. Good thing my wife, I'm not sitting by my wife, she'd be giving me the elbow. Malice, slander, filthy language from you. Remove these things from your lips. How do I do that? I don't just control what I say. I don't just wear duct tape. No, I fix it right here. I let the Spirit of God work in here. And as those thoughts come into my mind, I cast those thoughts down and say, you know what? That is not who I am. I am a new person, and there is life in me. There is not evil in me. There is not death in me. There is not anger. There is not malice. Oh, come on, somebody. Right? It's a change in who we are. If you've ever wondered if you would be a William Wallace or a Patrick Henry or a Harry Tubman or a Martin Luther King Jr. or, or a Spider-Man, if you've ever wondered if you would be any one of those heroic persons in history, Now's your your time to find out. Maybe nobody's watching, but you have the life you're living, and you get to choose what kind of person you're going to be. You get to choose what kind of fight you're going to have. You get to choose, well, that's just how I am. You just got to deal with it. I'm just angry sometimes. I just get hangry. Y'all get hangry? I get hangry. You know what hangry is? It's when you're hungry. You just get, oh, (laughs) I got some thumbs going out there. Oh, we're going to have to have marital counseling after this session. We battle for our freedom. The freedom and the battle starts right here in the mind, but the words are the weapons with which this battle is engaged. No more talking about yourself and shredding your self-confidence when you talk about how you're a loser and how you're worthless and how you can't be and how God can't and all of these things. Stop that stuff. It's not true. No matter how worthless you feel at a moment, you are not worthless. You are created in the image of the almighty God. I got two amens out of that. We feel dumb and stupid, ignorant sometimes. People make us feel that way. Cast those thoughts out of your mind. God, you did not create me in that way. You created me as an image of you. You created me with talents and gifts and skills. There's not another me in the world. And my wife says, amen. (laughs) Pray this. Pray this. Make this your prayer. Fight through it. Psalms 141.3, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. (laughs) Y'all, God's going to be busy. He's not going to be hearing prayers for a while. If I start praying this, he's busy. (laughs) He's got me to worry about. Pray this prayer. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Talking about guarding your heart, protecting yourself so that words of death do not flow out of you. But instead, you're a giver of life. You're, you're an ambassador of Christ. You're, you're an example. You're, you're salt and you're light and you're, you're, you're the testimony. And you're drawing people to Christ because they feel and they hear words of life coming out of you. And lastly, guide your speech. Guide your speech. A journey to any unknown location begins with an address. Or a goal, right? Now we have all these nice, fancy GPS apps on our phones. We've got Waze. We've got Google Maps. We've got as many little apps as you can come up with. And all you have to do is type in an address to where you're going. And then we get verbal cues and we get a visible map. And we can find out where we're going. Sometimes GPS is a little slow. Sometimes it's a little dumb. You know, I'm like, you're up in the sky. You can see everything and you can't get me from here to there without going over there. What's wrong with you? Right? A change in your life begins with a destination address. That's why Pastor Scott talked about last week 
change in the mind. That becomes the visible map that you're marching toward, right? When you find Christ for the first time, he gets in there with a big scrubber and starts erasing all of the junk that's in your mind, all the stuff that doesn't need to be there, all the misdirection that you've experienced through your life, all the lies people have told over you, all the things that you thought you were supposed to do but couldn't do, all the dreams that you had that are just buried under rubble. He starts cleaning it all away and gives you a clear direction. Oh, this is who I am. That's why we have growth track around here, which will happen today after I'm done talking. We have growth track to help people find that clear direction because we let God talk to us. We pray about it. We talk about it. We let that stuff get pushed aside and we get a clear map. And then we start getting these verbal cues. And those things we find start coming out of our mouth. Those are the words that are starting to reveal what God is doing on the inside of us. We start talking a little differently because instead of feeling like my dreams are never going to be accomplished, we start saying things like, you know what? I just feel that God's going to help me with this. I just believe that something good's going to happen because I prayed about it today and I know that God's going to fix it. Instead of, I don't know how this is ever going to work out. I have no idea. Now I, had, I prayed about it. I got somebody else to pray with me about it. So now I've got two people praying about it. And, and you know what? They're going to post it on Facebook, and they're going to go to our circle of prayer, and they're going to say, would you help pray for me about this? And we do, and then all of, everybody's praying about it, right? The direction becomes clear, and the verbal cues start coming out of your mouth, and you realize, you know what? I don't think the way I used to think. There's life change that's happening in me. I'm not fighting this alone. God is giving me freedom from my struggle and my addiction and my vice and the grip around my throat that is trying to choke the life out of me. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful. Oh, y'all listen. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I just said a lot of words. I probably just could have read that verse and then sat down, right? Because that says it. That is the crux of the matter. Don't let unwholesome stuff come out of your mouth. Instead, look at what you're saying. Everything that comes out of your mouth should be helpful in building somebody else up. Listen, if you're struggling, you're not the only person struggling. Share your struggles, but share your hope as well. Right, The difference between people that believe in Christ and people that don't is we get to say, I'm struggling, but I have hope. They don't get that option. They just are struggling with no hope. We're the people that are supposed to connect a God that loves them with them so that they can have hope. That's why it's important what you say because people are looking and people are listening and they're saying, you know, he's just another guy like me with lots of trouble. But he always manages to have hope. He always seems to know that something good is going to come out of it. Something better is around the corner. Something nice is on the horizon because there's faith. It's not in ourself. It's placed in God who is unchangeable, who doesn't fail, who never lets us down. I'm getting a little excited. I'm starting to sweat and stuff. (laughs) Telling you, we don't need to live under that bondage anymore. We're free. God made us free. He paid a price. Willingly laid on a cross. Nails driven into his hands and feet after being beaten so desperately bad that the bones in his back were exposed. Paid the price so that you and I do not have to live under the cloud of death anymore. The sad thing is we get free and we live like slaves. 
Paul says it this way. Worship team, you guys can come. Paul says it this way in one passage. He says, he talks about sinning. He talks about basically being stupid human, you know, what we all do sometimes. We just sin, and we just sin for the sake of sinning. Like, why, really? Why did I do this? He talks about how we want to do the right thing, but we keep doing the wrong thing. He talks about this struggle that we all deal with. He talks about it, right? He's talking about it, and he says, and as he's talking about this, this sinning and all of this stuff, these struggles, he says, and obviously this is me paraphrasing, but he's, he's saying, I don't want the price that Christ paid on the cross to be for nothing. Right? Freedom costs. Freedom costs. When we wrap this series up, Pastor Scott gave me a sneak preview into the last message in this series. Y'all got to bring somebody. It's going to be awesome. The price that's paid for freedom. Jesus did it. And he didn't do it so you would continue to live in slavery, did he? He did it so we would not have to anymore. Salvation is called a free gift. And it's easy to gain salvation. It doesn't cost you anything. But salvation is just the handshake. It's just the entry point. Salvation is the beginning of a new life. And that new life is a life of true, in its purest form, freedom.